Amen, amen. You can be seated. Awesome. On top of that, we uh, took up a special offering, and we were able, as we all came together and gave financially, we were able to raise $700 to be able to send to, to relief and to support the church that's turned their entire church into a relief uh, a relief place. They're, this church we're sponsoring, they meet in a high school. So they've taken uh, the whole high school and uh, places like Joyce Meyer Ministries and Samaritan's Purse um, have come in and just given them food and water and resources where every week they're able to, to bless thousands of people. And so we played a small part in helping bless them uh, as they bless others. So can we just thank God for a second for what he did through that? Awesome, awesome. Well, this morning, I, I'm excited to, to share with you on the test of love. Last week, we, we looked at hospitality and we prayed. And it was neat because God took the entire service a different direction. Don't you love when he does that? Where, as I was saying, there were those that it, I was getting text after text and phone calls of those that were just hurting and going through a lot. And so we just took the service and began to pray. And there was a words that came forth and it was powerful. And so this week, I've been really praying and getting before the Lord, and he began to speak to me some things about our church, about our purpose. And so it's, it's not going to be a normal message again, but I want to share some things on my heart with you and just be open and vulnerable with you, but also share some truth with you that I believe you're going to uh, be encouraged, challenged, and changed. It's a good mouthful right there. Encouraged, challenged, changed. It's good if you leave church feeling encouraged, challenged, changed. So, along the lines of the test of love, last week we looked at hospitality and, and what really all of that means. Uh, just to refresh, the Webster def definition of hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, and strangers. I think it, it, in our Christian walk, we all desire to be hospitable in some way, shape, or form. It all looks different of how that looks like. And... A part of the service last week that I just felt the Holy Spirit really, just a, a knowing and a sensing of that, is to pray for our hospitality team to release a spirit of hospitality. You know, I think um, our, our brother over here who just moved from Florida, and he just started coming to church here. One thing he said, he, uh, he, he had reached out to us on Facebook, and something he said, and just to encourage all of you, is he said, I haven't felt this loved coming to a church since I was a kid. You know, that's something that this church, we've honed in on, and it's a blessing and a grace that God has given us as we make people feel loved, accepted, and invited, and get to be a part of the table and sit down and be fed of all that God is doing. And so a scripture God took me to, as I was just praying and reading and studying, was Revelation 2-7. And it says, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. How many of you know it's good to be in tune with what the Spirit of God is doing? Because he does different things in different seasons. If you think over the tenure of this church, there's been different times and different places and different seasons of where God has done different things, right? And so I believe he's wanting to do something, and, and for us as a church to have a moment in this season of what he's wanting to release. You know, as we were, as I was talking with my dad and we were serving at one of the open houses, it was just awesome to see so many new parents like Peter and his wife team up and, and join in and send their daughter here to the school and they're here at church with us this morning and he also shared a word with us um, last Sunday of 
when he was first here and, and, and you heard the word there. But it's amazing when you can just sit back and look and see what God is doing in a season, in a specific place. And as me and my dad were talking, you know, my dad just said, Garrett, it's, it's time to grow and it's time to go. It's time to grow and it's time to go. And as I look at our church this morning and I, and I being in this place for about a year and a half now, since Pastor Joyce handed off the torch, one thing I've always known as a church and as a body, you're never just standing still. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And my heart has always been that we move forward, that we reach people. We go to people where they're at. You know, so many times when we think of reaching people, it's we got to get them to church, we got to invite them to church. Trust me, I'm all about that. I love that as a pastor. That's awesome. But how many of you know it's even more impactful when we go out and we be the church, when we go to where people are at? That's really where you can see a miracle take place. And I look at the past month, we've done our community connects where we've went to places like Master Provision and Served. We had our backyard bash. We went over across the street into our community and we teamed up with the library and we provided meals and games and did all these different things with, with different groups of people. We've seen God show up in those moments. And I think we can all agree with this as well, that if we show up, God always does too. He's always just waiting for us. And months ago, preached a message along the lines of that God wants us to be a vessel to put his presence in. And that's something we all desire, that our, ourselves are a temple to carry his presence. Just as the mother of Jesus Christ, Mary, was a carrier of Christ, God desires all of us to be a carrier of the presence of God. A few weeks ago as well, just bringing everything together, we talked about living questionable lives as Christians, right? That we want there to be something of our lives for someone to say, what is it that you have that you have peace in this situation? Or what is it that you have that you're not afraid in this situation? That you're not gripped by fear or anxiety? What is it that you have in your life that sets you apart? That we all desire to have. Because here's the thing, when we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, people are going to see it. And they're going to ask, what is it that's in you? And you know what's neat? A, a couple testimonies came forth even since preaching that. It was neat. And I want to brag on Josh and Amberly for a second. Josh, just wave your hand if, if you don't know him. It was pretty neat. Um, so as I've been reading Matthew 25 and talked about last week, how many of you know, usually when you hear a word or when you preach something, there's usually a moment where you get tested. And so for me, I get tested too. Come on. And I was getting tested of the very thing I've, I've preached because you know the old saying, practice what you preach, right? So we were, me and uh, Bree were coming back from a dinner. And as we were um, waiting in a light on uh, coming north or coming south off the Mount Zion exit, there's usually homeless people that will wait there and will ask for money. And there was this one guy that was standing there. And probably four weeks ago, we had blessed him and we had given him something. And I'm like, man, this guy is still here four weeks later. And you know, the, the, what you starts to go through your head is, man, this guy has turned this into a nice little profitable business. And so that's where when you see things, you're like, is, is this just, you know, when they're holding their signs and different things, you have to discern in the moment, is he just going to go purchase alcohol or whatever, or is he really in need? And a lot of the time, when the Holy Spirit lays on our heart, we do it anyway, and God will bless regardless. And so 
we were parked there. I see this guy, and I tell Bree, you know, wh why is he still here? We've already given him something. He's just taking people's money and different things. And I kid you not, as we're parked there, coming across the corner, I see a car park. And I see who gets out of it, and it's Josh and Amberly. And they park their car, and as they get out of the car, you know, I haven't even talked to you guys about this. I don't know if you gave him money or what you gave him. One thing I did see, though, is a canteen of water, and you went and you blessed this guy with some water. And in that moment, I just felt conviction. And I'm like, man, I'm preaching on Matthew 25, and I started judging this guy. <laughs> and then of all the people of our church to see Josh and Amberly, so God used you to bring some conviction in my life. It's awesome. And so, first of all, I want to say how awesome it was as your pastor to see that. That of all the churches right here in this little circle, look at our church. Look at you guys seeing a need and just going and doing something so practical as giving that man some water. Because what Matthew 25 says, what you've done unto the least of these, you've done unto me. And so you touch the heart of God by doing that. And you touch the heart of your pastor as well. So I want to encourage you in that and just give that as an example is that's living a questionable life. Because I can tell you, everyone sitting there saw that and said, wow, look, they went out of their way to go get some water, park their car, put their plans aside, and bless this guy. And that's awesome. Another testimony that came forth was uh, we were hanging out. One of the members of our church is, is Lisa Lay. And we were hanging out with her, and we, we had left uh, from a meeting with her and uh, ended up talking to her afterwards. But while she was parked in her car, she was jamming to some GPC praise worship. And she was sitting in a driveway, and there was a neighbor over here. And, and uh, we ended up coming to find that after we had left, the, the neighbor had come up to the car and kind of knocked on it. And he, he said, are you listening to worship music? And she's like, hello, how are you? You know, and she's like, well, yeah, you know, I love to praise and worship. And if you know Lisa, she's a realtor. And she's like, and the guy's like, I've, that's awesome as a realtor. You're listening to praise and worship music. And then she was able to have a, a moment of ministry with this guy. And again, Lisa wasn't thinking, I'm going to blare my praise and worship to see who's going to come and knock on my door. She was just being her. She was worshiping God, trusting God, believing God, filling herself up. And out of that, like we always say, ministry is an overflow of what's in you. That was an overflow jamming out of her car and it touched a neighbor and she was able to have a moment with that, with that guy. So this is what living a questionable life is, is just trusting God that when I put you first, that someone's going to see something. I can tell you in our finances, when you talk to someone who's an unbeliever and you say, yeah, I tithe to my church 10% off my gross, a jaw is going to drop. You give that much money to a church or you do this with your finances, what the heck are you doing? And then that's a moment to say, well, I'm a part of a world that's not of this world. I'm investing in a kingdom that's not, that isn't even tangible, but it is because he's given us the church. So it's amazing when you start to see things God's way, you start stepping in this place of your countercultural, and people don't understand that. Wow, when you give or when you pray or when you fast, fasting is a fun one too. When someone figures out, you're not eating or drinking coffee, any, it, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and it, a moment opens up to say, well, I'm putting this aside because I want to grow deeper and dig in deeper to what God is doing in my life. Yeah. 
So it's not as hard as you think to live a questionable life. And as the world kind of starts to go this way and you stand your ground and know that you're not going to be moved and you're going to trust the word of God, it will speak volumes to those around you. Here's something I wrote down. Again, going back to listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. And you have to, when you, when you listen to what the Spirit of God is saying, I try to always look at the big picture of everything of what God is doing here. And to plug into little stories like Josh and Amberly, or what's happening over here with Danny, or what's happening with Jeff and Kathy, or different ones. What is God doing in your life, and how is what is happening here ministering to you and encouraging you to go out and be the church? And so I love hearing stories of that. Which, by the way, Jeff and Kathy, I want you to stand real quick. I want to pray for you. They've decided they're temporarily taking in three kids who were in a rough situation. If you know anything about Jeff and Kathy's life, it's like this all the time, all over the place. They love, they work hard. Kathy recently, recently stepped in as the uh, principal here at, our, at the school and all the change with that. Jeff is working on the road, working hard. And in the midst of all their craziness, they've taken in three kids. It's your nieces and nephews, right? Great nieces and nephews. And decided to be healing to them. She was telling me that these kids had a lot of dental work that needed to be done. And so she just stepped right in and said, okay, kids, we're going to the dentist. and We're going to get these things fixed. They were coming from a tough situation. And if you know Kathy, she's always willing to step right in and be a healing presence in someone's life. And so this is where they're at. They're believing God. They're stretching themselves in order to bring healing into these children's world. So if you would stretch forth your hands, I want to pray for them. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the life of Jeff and Cassie. God, we thank you of how they picked up the torch and how they were obedient to your voice. God, we thank you that when we're obedient, your blessing and your provision is there. Because you not only call us, but when you call us, you equip us by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, we pray grace over their life, spiritually, mentally, physically, socially, and financially, that you put into their lives what they need in this season of their life in order to be the healing presence you've called them to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this is something that God had given me and I was, as I was praying, and, and I just began to write. And I just want to share this. It's and it's about when the Israelites were in the wilderness. I'll just read it to you. It says, When the Israelites were released from captivity, they remained in the wilderness for 40 years. So they were released and then they were in a wilderness season for 40 years. This was a place of their training and formation. Anybody ever seen a place of wilderness in your life where it's been training and it's been formation? I think we can see that in the wilderness times of our life, that's where God grows us. And so it's training and formation. During this time, and we see as you read the account of Scripture, some fell away either due to sin, lack of perseverance, or other distraction. And here's what I just began to write. I said, I have been sensing we are on a threshold as a church. I sense that there is a moment we're moving into to take hold of the promises that God has for us. And the word that just really stuck out that God gave to me was a threshold. You ever been, you know what a threshold is when you walk through a door and, and then you've entered into a threshold. There's something about a threshold too. When you walk into someone's home, you're standing outside of the home, but when you walk into that home, the atmosphere just changed, all because of crossing over a threshold. 
You even think about gun laws or concealed and carry laws. If you've ever been through a class, threshold is everything. That everything changes when you cross a threshold. Then you as a, as a, a homeowner can take authority over your home because someone entering who shouldn't be crossed a threshold. And so there's something about when you're in the, right on the, the edge of that threshold and you step in, how things can change. And as I said before, we're either moving forward or we go, we're going backwards. There's never any just standing still in God. And as I said again, we're either growing or we're dying. We're either growing as a church or we're dying as a church. You know, a scripture I want to really share with you is from Proverbs 18, or excuse me, Proverbs 29, 18. We've heard this said before, but the scripture is where without vision, people perish. We've all heard that scripture. Without vision, people perish. Well, I began just to dig into it and study it and pull things out of it. And another translation of the scripture was, without vision, people get out of hand. And when you think of people getting out of hand in, in context of looking at the world around us, is tension and division. When you get out of hand or just crazy starts coming, there's usually tension and division that follows. And we know in our world that there is a need for repentance and for reconciliation. That when we go before God and we repent, then guess what? He usually puts us back into a situation because he always saves us from the sin, but guess what? There's still the consequences of the sin. So repentance hits the sin, but then where the consequences are, that's where reconciliation comes in. And then things are brought back into order. Last week, we also talked about judgment and how if you look at the early church, they didn't, when the word judgment was mentioned, they didn't hucker down in a corner and were afraid of it, but they called the awesome judgment of the Lord. You even look at the account of David, he cried out for judgment of his soul. That when, because here's what judgment is. Judgment brings things back in order. We sing the song in Amazing Grace, he brings our chaos back into order. Well, when we get before God in repentance, which should be an everyday thing, guess what? We're opening up ourselves for him to judge our lives based on the word of God and then bring things back in order. How many of you are thankful for order in your life or when you see a moment of chaos, you get before God and say, God, this chaos is going in on my family and my finances and my marriage. Here I am. Judge me. What am I doing wrong? Not what is she doing wrong? Not what are the kids doing wrong? What's, what am I what's wrong with my finances over there? It always starts with you. And so it's always being willing to look at yourself before pointing the finger. What does scripture say? Take the log out of your eye. And so when, without vision, people get out of hand. Tension and division follows from that. Another, th another thing that comes with that is how pride and gossip and immature behavior usually follow when you get out of hand or things get out of hand in your life. Another translation of this scripture is without vision, people become rebellious. Isn't that interesting? Without vision, people become rebell rebellious. I felt God lead me to another scripture, and Timmy, this should be up in your scriptures back there, but it's Galatians 3.3. And this just hit me right in between the eyes. But it says, so bluntly as we love as scripture does, it says, are you foolish? Having began in the spirit, are you now being made perfect by flesh? 
other translation, you've began this in the spirit, and this was a God thing, but then you took control of it, and then you started moving in the flesh. This is a battle that we always have to deal with as believers, is to making sure that we're hearing what the spirit of God is saying to the church. You and I are the body of Christ. You and I are the church. It's not what is he saying to the pastor, it's what is he saying to the church. And if you're not listening to what he's saying to the church, then it says you're foolish because you've moved away from the spirit and you're walking in the flesh. So without vision, people become rebellious. So they become rebellious. They get out of hand. People perish. And you might ask, well, Garrett, what are you talking about vision? It's not what the vision of our church is. Yes, that's a part of it. But it's the vision that God set forth in his word so that you can have a blessed life, so that you can know your Savior, so that you can know you don't have to be addicted to that or you don't have to be bound by that, but there's freedom in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the vision for your life. And that's the very thing that will change and transform you. This, the vision for your family is found in here. The vision for your marriage is found in here. The vision for how you're to handle your finances is found in here. And again, when we allow the judgment of God to bring order into our life, guess what? We fall back in line with God's original purpose and his original intention. And like we sang this morning, he's good no matter what. He never changes. It's usually when, and I'm guilty of this, when we get out of line and we think something feels right or it feels good, then we start searching through scripture to make sure, okay, this is what I'm feeling. I need to find some justification to make sure I'm right. Instead of just going humbly before God and say, God, this is what I'm feeling. Lead me by your word to make sure I'm in the right vein, that I'm not manipulating your word to make myself feel right in a situation. I've been there as anybody else. I thought this was good too, and this is a, a commentary on Matthew 25 that I want to read to you. But it says that we are called to be leaven in the world. If you know anything about cooking, leaven is the thing you put into the bread to make it rise. Making our world rise to believe that Jesus has come to bring, his, to bring us his kingdom of justice, of peace, and of love. He who is the way, the truth, and the life is looking for followers who continue to bear witness as he did. And again, this is really what God showed me, that if we will take Matthew 25 and live it out both spiritually and physically, that when you see someone who's hurting, and I'm talking here in the church and I'm talking outside of the church, and you go be Christ to that person, guess what? The kingdom of God just touched, just touched down, just touched earth. It might be something that sounds so simple, but it's something that can be so powerful. So he's looking for followers who continue to bear witness as he did, living his message of new life, a message that cannot be reduced merely to an inward, private kind of worship. You know, I thought that was good. I was having a conversation with um, a young adult, and he uh, was just kind of newer in the faith. And he said, you know, I see how much you love Jesus, and I see how a lot of my friends love Jesus, and I, that's awesome, and I'm happy for them. But for me, I just kind of like to be over here and just kind of be private and read my Bible and I don't really think I need to go to church and I don't, you know, it's just me and Jesus are good. And there's something about the temptation where when you 
because there's two sides of it. And this is what I'm going to get to in a second. There's two sides of it, of it always. When you look at a cross, there's always the interior side of it, and then there's the, ex- there's the exterior. There, it goes this way, where you need to have passionate pursuit of God. You're being in your word, you're worshiping, you're allowing yourself to be filled. That's the uh, vertical side of the cross. And then the horizontal side is, guess what? You're reaching out, and you're being the hands and feet of Jesus. So when you see that cross, you should say, okay, Jesus, because of what you've did, you've made a way where I can have access to you and I can pursue you and I can get to know you. And then this, I can be the church and be the hands and feet of Jesus and take the cross wherever I go. I thought that was good. But it says, again, and I was getting ahead of myself, but this commentary says, but rather express unmistakably and the way we behave, the two dimensions of the cross, as I was talking about. The vertical dimension, an intense personal relationship with God in contemplation and in prayer. The horizontal, which embraces all the needs of our fellow, fellow human beings. God calls, us, his, God calls us and his spirit enables us. With generous hearts, we can bear witness of the love of God. How many of you are thankful and how many of you understand that God has branded you to bear witness to the love of God wherever you go. I don't know the situation of the kids like you do, Kathy, but one thing I do know is these children will look back in the short season that you've brought them in, and guess what? They're going to see the love of God, and they're going to see how the church stepped in and how healing brought to their life, both physically getting their teeth fixed, but guess what? Always as well as spiritually, because you're putting the armor of God before they go to bed. You're blasting worship music to wake them up. All of those things make a difference. And it's being healing, and it's being Christ wherever we go. And so we always have to understand, and we know this, but there's always an interior side of our our walk with God, but there's always an exterior, right? That when you read in Matthew 25, 14, going back, you'll see where the parable of the talents, how God gave talents or these gifts or this money to these three different people. And he said, go and invest it wisely. Well, that story is for all of us because God has given us talents and it's on us how we invest them. Are we taking our gifts of hospitality? Are we taking, maybe God's blessed us with wisdom or maybe God's blessed us to be able to make money or maybe God's blessed us to preach or to teach or to lead or to love, all the gifts that we see in the Bible, God has put on in the interior part of our life. And he says, now that I've given them to you, it's on you to go and multiply them. That's what he says. Take that and just don't let it stay here with you, but let, let me stretch you, let me multiply it, because it's going to bless and it's going to touch a lot of people. God has given all of us different gifts, and when we all come together and we steward them right, then we become the body of Christ. In that moment when Josh and Amberly went and were a blessing to that man, they were using a gift of hospitality that I was not possessing at the time to be a blessing. Right there with you. We were in that together. And so that's when you start getting the vision of it's so much more than me and my walk with God. Then you'll start to see him stretch you and you'll start to see 
God take what he's put in your life that God has called you, but then the Spirit enables you to go and be a blessing to the community God's put you in or to go and be a blessing to the workplace that God's put you in. It's amazing when you get in that vein and you start to see the graces that God has put in your life and you say, here they are. Because here's the thing that rebukes, and here's what I want you to get, that rebukes a rebellious spirit, that rebukes when we want to get out of hand or keeps us from perishing, is when we say, God, here's my gifts, I surrender them to you. Right? Here's the things that God has given me, now I give them right back to you. You know what's neat is, uh, Bree and I on our anniversary we took some time and we did what all wonderful wives love, wives love to do and we went shopping. All the ladies said amen. amen. And so we went shopping and uh, one of Bree's favorite places to shop is Hobby Lobby. Any Hobby Lobby fans in the house? Amen. <laughs> the way I look at it is, man, when I spend a hundred bucks there, I'm supporting an awesome ministry because, you know, they do a lot of awesome things. So that's where I feel good about it. But I'm just joking. <laughs> but as we were there, I did, I did uh, something that every pastor should do when you walk somewhere. You start thinking about putting a sermon together. Right. So she's shopping and she's saying, Garrett, look at this. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, man, this saying right here, this could preach. And so then she's like, hey, pull it back in. I'm like, sorry, babe. I was getting ready for Sunday's message. And so as we were shopping, I saw some things, and I went ahead and picked them up, because I believe as we live a life of hospitality, as we're having the, the, the vertical walk with God, but also the horizontal walk, these were just some sayings, I mean, man, these are good to have healthy community, these are what being the church is all about, because when we start to grow, because we're growing and we will continue to grow, Again, without vision, things get out of hand. Like I said, rebellious personalities fly. Type A meets type B, and then there's clash, and there's all these different things that take place. People get hurt. People get offended. All this fun stuff. And so these were some sayings that said, man, these bring healing when a group of people come together, and they get on mission, and they get on vision. This is going to keep healing, and this is going to keep love at the center of it all. So the first one was, that I saw, I thought this was good. It says, work hard and be nice to people. Isn't that good? Anybody need to put this on their desk? It's work hard and it's be nice to people. It's something so simple but something so true is that when we get so focused and say, I'm trying to move this thing forward or um, in my company or in my job, I'm trying to bring all these ideas, sometimes it's, it's easy just to push people out of the way, say I'm working hard and think, well, they're seeing how hard I'm working and so everything else is just going to be fine. But one thing I've learned is you can work hard and still be nice to people. You can write that down. Another one that I thought was good was this one here. If I knew enough in advance, I could have had Seed Signs make some of these because she does an awesome job, Cousin Lexi. But um, this one was awesome. It says, live by grace and not perfection. I think as a parent or anyone who works with anyone, living by grace and not perfection is key. Because when we have high expectations or we want something to go a certain way, and we have, you know, it's got to be done like this, and it's got to happen this way, to the dot and to the period. But how many of you know that we're all people, we all make mistakes, 
But when we choose to live by grace and not just perfection or it just has to be done to a T, that's where the Spirit of God can come in and really bring forth what He wants. So it's living by grace and not perfection. Secondly, or thirdly, this is the one that I love, probably because it was a scripture, but uh, it says, let all that you do be done in love. And I think that's always a good reminder that everything that we do, again, from raising children to in the workplace to here serving in the church, that at the core of everything, let everything you do be done in love. Because what, what does scripture even say? That, I'm going to use this for an example, it just came to me. TJ, I'm going to borrow your drumstick here. But it says, you could have all these spiritual gifts. You could prophesy, you could speak, you could do all these amazing things. But if you don't have love, guess what you sound like? A clanging cymbal. This is what people hear when you're not having love in what you're doing. Pretty annoying. So when you don't do everything in love, that is what you sound like. I've sounded like that before. Anybody else? And so it's an important reminder that as we grow, as you grow in your family, as you grow in any part of your life, it's easy just to get so focused on, oh my gosh, the vision, and look what God's doing, and look where he's taking us, but completely neglect these basic truths. Because if you don't take these into the new season of your life, then it's not going to be sustained, or it's going to be quick and, and then die. But these things sustain a healthy church, a healthy family, a healthy workplace. Because at the bottom line of everything, people matter. And people matter to God. It was actually the thing, if you didn't know it, that God gave his very own son for. I'm going to start drumming here in a second. I better put this down. But that is a simple truth, is that people matter. And that's what I saw, again, through you, Josh and Amberly, is, man, through the simple truth of people matter, they touched a life, and they touched the least of these, and guess what? Jesus was, you touched the heart of God. And that's a reminder for all of us, that it's so easy just to get caught up in what I'm doing, this is my routine, but allow the love of God to broaden your lens and say, what is the people around me in my everyday life that need some grace, that need niceness, that need love. And maybe God's using me to bring that into this situation. I thought this was good too. And this is with Matthew 25 and the different things of how I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me water, I was in prison or and you visited me. And this just puts it into context that when we do this of how we touch the heart of God, it says that he himself, and this is talking of Christ, he himself was hungry, who is the bread of life, which if man eats of it, he will never hunger again. That everything that's mentioned in Matthew 25, Jesus at some point experienced that himself. He, Jesus Christ himself was thirsty, crying out on the cross, I thirst who gives the living water, which if man drinks of it, if you and I drink of it, what's the promise? We'll never thirst again. He himself was a stranger with no place to lay his head, who, who came to his own home and his people received him not, the scripture says, 
who brings all men home to the heavenly house of the Father. That's why I love out in our lobby, it says, welcome home. That we want this to be where you've entered into the family of God when you walk through those doors and you're reminded that this is the family of God and this is the church. He himself was sick. Scripture says, wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, left alone hanging on the cross, who himself heals all the wounds of men. For, as Scripture says, with his wounds we are healed, or by his stripes we are healed. Lastly, it says that he himself was in prison, arrested as a criminal and thrown into jail, forsaken by his disciples, who himself proclaims liberty to the captives, setting men free from everything that binds them and forgiving their crimes. You know, Christ identified himself with us. And Christ is the most relatable person you'll ever meet because he went through everything. And Christ went through it and showed us the process, showed us the vision of freedom and showed us what our mission is to then, as God heals us, it's like I've said before, when you get healed, it's like you walk through a revolving door and then you get sent right back out and then you go bring healing because it says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. That when you're in a mess, you come through and you get healing, God always turns that mess into a message and a testimony where you can bring healing into someone else's life. So I pray that just these simple truths stick with you. And this week, that as you live these out, you'll see the presence of God. It might not feel or look or sound like you think it is. But what Jesus says in Matthew 25, these are the parameters of how we are judged at the judgment seat. And you can't take something like that lightly. And as your pastor, it's my job and it's the calling and the weight I feel on my life is to prepare you for that day, is to give you the truth, whether it may offend you or whether it may hurt you, but to bring it forth and then you allow the Holy Spirit to wrestle with you and you allow the word of God to judge your heart so that you can stand on that day and hear your father, your good father say, well done, good and faithful servant, you may enter in. If you bow your head, I want to pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you never leave us nor forsake us. God, we thank you for what you're doing at Gathering Place Church, the individuals that you've brought in this house, into this family. God, we thank you for our school and your blessing upon every ministry in this house. God, we pray that we would be a church that loved people, that would live by grace and not perfection, that would work hard and be kind. And Father, that everything that we do would be done in love. Father, we thank you that your mercy is always present. God, we thank you that as I even stand here, that this isn't a stage, but this is an altar. And when we bow low before you and put our lives on the altar, you heal us, you transform us, you change us, your love is deposited into our life. So this morning, Father, we place ourselves on your altar. And we say, come have your way, Holy Spirit. 
You've put a calling on every single person in here. God, I pray that you would reveal what that is. You would teach us to steward it. And then, Holy Spirit, you would enable us to live it out in our interior life and in our exterior life. We thank you for your truth. And, Father, we give you permission to wrestle with us. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to judge our lives. Because, God, we want everything that you have for us. We want to die empty. We don't want to have anything else left within us. But, God, we want to give it all out. And it's all for your glory. It's not for our name or for our church, but it's for you, Father. For you're the reason we live and you're the reason we have hope. Father, we honor you this morning. I ask if you would stand to your feet. And I just want us to, to end our service, our time together with us proclaiming this simple truth again that he's good no matter what. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you have to know at the bottom line that he's good. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.